0: What's going on, guys? Dustin with the LFG 1904 show. Proud to announce our partnership with Law Tigers. If you have been in a motorcycle accident, let's get you the compensation you deserve today and get you back on the road. Go ahead and call this number, 858-306-1986. Once again, that number is 858-306-1986. Law Tigers, nationwide. Doesn't matter where you're at. Call that number, LFG. Jesus, my oh. way. Welcome
1: to the LFG1904 show. I'm Graf.
0: Welcome back guys. I'm Dustin
1: and I'm Rafa. Today we are joined by
2: Jenny from Jenny Sober Lifestyle. <whistles> Woo! Let's all the way down from Orange County? That's right. Huntington Beach. Shout it
1: out. Yep. Be proud.
2: Yep. That's right. Very proud.
1: Thank you so much for taking the trip down here. It means of a lot. Of
2: course. Yeah. No problem.
1: So, we generally like to kick it off with where are you from?
2: Well, I'm from Orange County. Ca- well, I'm not from Orange County. I'm originally from Canada. No. I live oh, in Orange County. Yeah. a lot of Canadians. Where friends. though? Where in Canada? Uh-huh. Vancouver. Okay. Ever been there? A bunch of
1: times. Really? Yep. I'm a traveling DJ, so I've ah. been just this year I've been there like six times.
2: Really? Love Vancouver. It's beautiful, huh? It's amazing. Uh, I never is it, it, it okay. really <laughs> is. It really is. <laughs> it's great. Uh oh, here it comes. Well yeah. what is it? Is downtown. It? <laughs> so okay. generally where
1: I'm staying, it's downtown and it is of the west coast. Vancouver is by far and large like it is on and cracking in the streets. Oh yeah, it's it's pretty gnarly.
2: It's gotten really bad, like along Hastings. Yep. Yeah, it's just kind of gotten mm. taken over by drugs for sure. That,
0: I mean, that's the only reason why I know because he said he's like, bro, it was like San Francisco on steroids.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. that there's this one strip, and it's really bad.
1: So one of the venues I go to is in Chinatown.
2: And okay, yeah.
1: It's just active, like yeah, it's literally like being in San Francisco. It's like being in the Tenderloin. But a little bit more safe, a little bit more Canadian, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like I'm, I might not get stabbed as often in no. Vancouver as I would in, in the Tenderloin.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just crazy. It's getting like that everywhere. You know what I mean? It seems like every town now has that spot, so.
1: Yeah. Are you from Vancouver Island, or are you from Vancouver? No, Vancouver. Vancouver. Okay,
3: time. But I was
2: born on uh, uh, Victoria Day, so my middle name is Victoria.
1: Jenny Victoria. There we go. Perfect. Damn, Damn, Jenny
2: Victoria out. Leone. Actually, Jennifer Victoria Leone. <laughs> But only Jennifer if you're mad at me. Just. <laughs> First off. First off. That's yeah, it. Right. Yeah, I Don't that. call me Jennifer. Don't call me Jennifer. Yeah, yeah. No.
1: So you obviously have an affinity to Orange County. Did you, from a very young age, move from Vancouver down?
2: So I moved at 19 oh. with a suitcase to live the Hollywood dream. Oh boy. And so... It's so funny because when people think of Hollywood that aren't from here, they think it's like this magical glitz and glam, just beautiful Mm. area, right? And that's unfortunately not what it's like. So, But I had that in my head. I'm like, I'm going to move to Hollywood. So I moved to Hollywood Boulevard. (gasps) Literally. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck yes. Yes. (laughs) And then I moved just little by little more and more south. I moved every year for 15 years straight in my addiction. So. Started in Hollywood, Santa Monica, Venice, Redondo Beach, and then just kept coming and coming.
0: You made the tour. Yeah, she went, She sure. kept going south. But she <laughs> even got so south it was San Marcos she told me. On
2: I the did, yeah.
4: Damn. Yeah, you're hitting uh-huh. it. And then she I said, reset. I'm out this bitch. Yeah, that's that's, said, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Hold on a minute. Time yeah. out. <laughs> that's as bad as I get. All right. <laughs> Back to Orange County. I
1: yeah. had the same experience when I first moved to California. I moved to Moreno Valley, That's okay. where my ex-wife was from, uh-huh. and I was like, I
0: made it.
1: Yeah. Like, I'm from the East Coast. I was like,
0: well, here we are, California baby. Moreno Valley, Moval. Valley. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mo yeah. God, it was rough. And then I got like r- beat up and robbed for my skateboard on the skating oh, home. It was I was like, this is what the they promised me it was. Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was Straight was... Virginia boy. Oh. Hey, come here, cracker. No, literally. <laughs> literally they fucking I'm skating home. And Josh remembers this because I fucking we worked together when it happened. The car pulls around the corner and I see two dudes. I was like, that was weird. And then two dudes come like walking up the sidewalk past me. I'm skating by. One dude goes past me and another dude is in front of me. He's looking like ready to do it. Pulls a bat out of his pants, and then I get hit in the side of the face, knocked to the ground, drop my skateboard, get into the street, square up. They look at each other, look at the skateboard, grab the skateboard, and dip. And I was like, What the fuck? I had a black eye for two weeks. Aw. Yeah.
2: That sucks. Yeah, it is
1: not what they... And then my first time in Hollywood was, like, near the boulevard. I Mm -hmm. remember, like, turning this corner off Hollywood Boulevard, and this dude is just smoking meth right there.
2: Oh, yeah. It's crazy up there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And the valley, not much better.
2: No, not really.
4: No. Damn, I landed from New York straight to Oklahoma. (sighs)
2: <sighs> oh wow like a refugee and i was like, like and I, a was refugee. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like this is great y'all got palm trees
1: <laughs> del taco what's that uh, Del taco. Yeah, I, thought, That's I thought we had made it so what was home life like
2: in vancouver mm-hmm. um you know so i had the quote-unquote typical like mom and dad right from the outside looking in but on the inside it wasn't a healthy situation for me um And that's where everything kind of started, was in my childhood, which led me down that road. Um, My dad, just to give you an idea, my dad was 30, Italian, arranged marriage to another Italian woman. Um, My mom was 14, hitchhiking, and my dad picked her up.
3: Mm. So,
2: yeah. So that's how that whole thing started. Um, And so, yeah. They ended up getting married. He eventually left his wife and got married to my mom. Um, and then, uh, you know, he was like the typical pr- provider. You know what I mean? Um, not like a loving father. And you know, my mom, she was a loving mom. Did the best she could. It's just so funny because when we when we're young, we look at our parents and we think that they're supposed to be these perfect creatures, right? right? And and really when we get older and especially when we get into recovery and we do the work, we realize that they were just doing the best they could with what they were given. And, you know, it's up to us to like break that cycle, which thankfully I've done and we'll get into that later. But, you know, I was always like, why can't you be more like this or wanting my dad's attention and different things and just realizing it was his upbringing. And that's just how he showed love, you know, was to go to work and earn money. But, you know, he was always cheating on my mom and doing that whole thing. Um, But I had a lot of trauma in my childhood. I was uh, sexually molested by a family member from the age of 3 to 12. Mm. So, like, that was my whole childhood. I was going
4: to say, that's like your whole.
2: That's my whole childhood. Yeah. Yeah, And so, it was a very interesting, uncomfortable, awkward, confusing time of life for me. You know, there was, like, this part of my, and I kept it a secret. Because I was told that if I said anything that bad things were going to happen. And so it was a family member? It was a family member, yeah. Um, and a family member that lived under the same roof. So I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, sure. Um, but it was like a constant thing. And so that's like life as I knew it. Um, but then, you know, on, on the other side, I had this other life where I went to school and I played sports and I had lots of friends and I lived in a beautiful home and had, you know, the green belt right behind me and the river and nature and we'd play out there all the time. So it was very strange Uh, my sense of reality, and so, you know, I grew up never feeling safe, uh, never really knowing what love was, you know, the people closest to me, and this was happening, and what is love, who should I trust, how do I feel safe, you know, very alone in that space, Um, and when I look back, like, I can see the ism very, at a very, very young age, the things that I was doing, I would take, like, a whole bottle of chewable vitamin C. You know what I mean? Like go into the bathroom, lock the door, get into the shower, close the curtain, and just be like eating them. Um, And then I would like save up my allowance for the week and run up to the corner store and buy like a whole container of candies, like 500 in this like container, right? And I would eat them all, like really, you know what I mean? So I had like these behaviors and ways that I was trying to like self-soothe and, you know, numb myself out essentially. And so when I finally told the truth, um, I wasn't believed initially, and so I had to go to the police. I went to the police with a friend at 13 and uh, told them what was happening. That person got arrested, um, and, you know, then I went through the whole thing, like going to doctors and looking into that and, um, you know, what was the, what was the extent of what was going on with me and, uh, and then, you know, getting put into therapy and different things like that. And at that age, you know, looking back, it's like, as a kid, you don't want to go to therapy. I'm like, I swear. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you can say whatever the fuck, fuck you want. Fuck fuck shit shit. Okay, yes. exactly. good. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, I don't fucking need therapy. I don't need this. I don't need that. And I need no one understands me, you know, and yeah. and that was my mentality for a long time. You guys don't get it. You don't know what I went through. I don't want you people around me. Just leave me alone. Um, and I became very rebellious at a very very young age. So essentially from like 12, 13 years old and on, I was, you know, using drugs. Um out there you know trying to just numb myself from everything that was going on and obviously not realizing at that age that when you're numbing yourself it's not just uh the bad i feel like these keep slipping it's not just the bad that you're numbing out you're numbing out all the good too so really i became like emotionless essentially you know and um Started off with like the typical party drugs. I was a huge raver back then in in Vancouver. It was like the rave (laughs) scene was huge. Yeah, that whole (laughs) underground scene. So I was doing like massive amounts of ecstasy, um, any drug I could get my hands on, drinking, just anything. I was bouncing around, going to alternative schools, different things like that. um, And just really living in that victim mentality and Mm. was like starting to get dangerously comfortable in that victim mentality, you know, like I was comfortable like sitting in my shit because that's what I knew. And I was comfortable being angry Mm -hmm. and, um, and just rebellious. And so, you know, between that, I was still trying to, you know, go to school, do well for myself. So I started modeling and acting back when I was a teenager, um, back there, landed some shows, did some modeling stuff. Um, what age? Probably from, like, 14 on. That's when I started.
0: er, After all the... Yeah. That was already done. Yeah,
2: exactly. I started doing that. Um, And that's what eventually led me to the States. So, at, like, 18 years old, this person got off probation and essentially started to try to come back around. And I was like, fuck this. Um, fucking out. I'm out. Yeah. And so... I booked a TV show in L.A. and had um, a manager. And so I didn't know anybody else. Oh, and one other person that I was going to marry to get a green card. Nice. So, the Canadian so way. I love the it. Canadian way, right? Mm. And I had a work permit, but I just, you know, just for extra protection, I was going to do these things. And it's just so crazy because I was so impu- impulsive and had no logic back then. Like, here I am at 19, mm-hmm. not knowing anybody yeah. Moving to the States. I got it. guys. I, I got this shit. <laughs> like I'm good. You to know? me, it
4: makes logical sense. You you're good. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. literally hearing this <laughs> sound. Sounds good to me. Yeah, I know. Good to <laughs> me. Well, nice. Mark that check. We're good. <laughs> yeah.
2: And so yeah, I came out with a suitcase and three thousand dollars and that was it. And started to live my life out here. Um, yeah. and yeah, so I married an American. I was nineteen, he was forty two. <sighs> At yes. the time, my gal. yep, yep. So that's what I did, and uh, that went downhill almost immediately. Like sure. as soon as there was that marriage certificate, it was like, yeah, you're like, thanks a lot, pal. I'm out. Well, well, and he was like, I own you, right. kind of thing. So uh, I'll air you out. So you know what started happening with like my past is that number one, I was oversexualized, and I was, you know, putting myself in bad situations with bad people. People don't like to use the word toxic people and whatever, but I was putting myself in unhealthy situations with people. And so, you know, he was one of those unhealthy people that I was drawn to. And, um, and so here I am, I'm out here. I don't really know anybody, you know, at this point, like I'm taking pharmaceuticals, doctor prescribed. So that's like how my whole thing started. Like the other stuff was like party this. I don't know why this keeps falling off my (laughs) head.
1: Your hair's clean. Maybe all,
2: maybe yeah. maybe I need to like put it tighter or something. Okay, maybe if it's more forward. Sorry about that. No, you're okay. good. Okay. <laughs> I could t- I could <laughs> tell. It was like all the way back here. I, know I what you're feel talking it about like when you slipping like it's back. Off. It was slipping all the way back. Um but yeah, like my drug use before then, like even though it was consistent, it was like party drugs and things like that. And then I got out here and started getting prescribed by a doctor. So that's like how my whole like story really starts like down that rabbit mm-hmm. hole. So, doctor prescribed Xanax, Adderall, and Norcos. Nice. Wow. What a combination. That was my cocktail. I don't know what the hell you went to the doctor for. uh, (laughs) Well, (laughs) it, it progressed. You know what I mean? Like, I was able to get Xanax because I had, you know... Anxiety. And then I was diagnosed with ADHD. And of course, like as addicts, alcoholics, we know how to manipulate Mm, and you know use the system. It's like, oh, if I could get that, I could get this. Reach for
1: the stars. Or reach for the stars, you land on the moon. Exactly.
2: (laughs) Right. And so that was my cocktail.
0: Early two thousands.
2: Spray my ankle. Early two thousands.
3: It was really
0: just easily. You can go to a doctor and be like, ah, yeah, okay. (laughs) My elbow? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It hurts. That's exactly what was
2: happening. And so I was able to maintain that. For a while and, and like I didn't hang out with drug addicts like I was never that person. And so I had no idea like where my drug use was going to lead to. I had no idea mm. what would happen if I tried to stop using. I had no idea that I was like building up a tolerance like I'm just living my life. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I started going <laughs> down that path. Um, <clears throat> so I ended up escaping this person that i had married um i had flown my mom down from vancouver and lived in and out of hotels for like six months trying not to have a trail where he'd be able to find me i had to get a a restraining order against him um like a five-year permanent restraining order against this person because it was actually that gnarly like he was Sounds fucking pretty psycho. fucking toxic. It, it was. It Let's was called what it fucking it was, is. It was. It to- was. He was. Yeah. He was a very unhealthy <laughs> yeah. human being for yeah, sure. For sure. Super toxic. Yeah. yeah. For sure. It's funny because I had somebody on my podcast, a couple people that are like doctors, right, and yeah. and they're like, no, there is no such thing as toxic. It's like behaviors and this that the other thing, but fuck it, he was toxic. Clearly so. they don't
4: have a baby mama.
2: So <laughs> <laughs> they don't know. I was about to say, yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> My head went straight there. I, uh, this motherfucker ain't got no baby mama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, toxic big one oh one.
2: Yeah, so so I ended up yeah getting out of that situation. Um
1: did you bail mom out of the situation bail mom from dad too? Or was she just coming
0: to support you?
2: No, she was just coming to support me. Okay, nice, nice. Yeah, it's I, real quick, I had yeah, actually yeah, yeah. a
0: question about that because your dad found your mom hitchhiking. Yep. So what was she running from?
2: She wasn't running. It was just back then you hitchhiked. <laughs> really? Like if you just, think about it, like was she, she
0: in Canada? Was he in Canada? Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. Yeah, back in the day, hitchhiking. Back was,
2: in the day, I mean, I mean, I get that
0: too. But it was like I was just, I my thought was like, well, what is she running from, or where she, what is she doing at fourteen?
2: Yeah, no, she was just hitchhiking with her sister. Mm-hmm. Just going home. I mean, she was born in '54, so she it was like the late '60s. Like Jack Kerouac. Like everyone, mm. everyone was doing it. Right. What everyone t- was doing
4: it. What TV show were you on?
2: Well, I was on a couple different ones. Um, so but the one I came out here for was called Battle Dome, and so it was a spinoff from American Gladiator. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys remember American Gladiator? Yes, of course. Okay, Laser. so yeah. <laughs> So there was Battle Dome. It only lasted two seasons right, right. with Sony because people were getting like gnarly injured. It was they
4: just like stepped it up from like, <coughs> American Gladiator. They right? stepped it up. Yeah. Like it yeah. was insane. Oh. And
2: I ended up uh, meeting my second husband on the show. He was one of All the right. the Warriors. <laughs> nice. um, were you uh, one of the gladiators. athletes as well? No, I wasn't an I uh, know I wasn't an athlete. Okay. It wasn't a gladiator or anything like that, but I would come out with one of them. So that's what I did on that show. Um but yeah so I met him another we'll just use the word toxic person nice. right that uh, yeah, I he like was it. I was here by myself right and so he's this like six foot five 300 pound gnarly dude and I'm like fucking perfect yes like this you is, have a type this is what I need <laughs> like yeah. he my will protector. my protector yeah. like he'll keep me safe. I'm right. 19 years old I don't know anybody like I need this person in my life oh. <clears throat> so. Yeah, so he was in my life, and, uh, and I, you know, at this point, I'm working in the industry. I've got an agent, a manager. I'm going out on auditions every day. I, I landed quite a few different TV shows, modeling gigs, um, some movies, and, uh, and for me, like, with being over-sexualized and just, like, chasing that lifestyle, I was willing to do whatever I could do to get there fast, and I was so diluted from the drug use. Like, my sense of reality was so skewed on what normal looks like mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> and the people that I was hanging out with. So, I ended up going uh, more of the adult route. And so, um, it started with like booking a ton of magazines. Like, I've, I, it's one thing that I've kept is the magazines just because. I'm like, why not? Like they don't, they don't really make them anymore. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I've probably been on 30, 40, 50 adult magazine covers, you know, penthouse pet like I mean, all of them, all of them that you could imagine. And so I got pretty famous in that industry. Um, And it was like back in the day when it was like really bumping and not like it is now where it's super oversaturated. Yeah. Um, And so I kind of got lost in that industry, you know, and... um, And
1: that's very L.A. too, like... Super L.A. Without the adult industry alone, Los Angeles is just a place where, like, things become different. Reality is not as it seems. Yeah. It's a fucking crazy place.
2: It's crazy. And so I got really involved in that industry. So, um, you know, I was doing magazine work, print work, um, like, fitness stuff, bikini stuff, probably for, like, three, four years. And then... Uh, One day I got a call from Jenna Jameson and she was like, Hey, I want you to come up to my house. I want to talk to you. And I was like, all right, cool. So I went out and met with her. And at this point she had started a company under playboy called club Jenna. And it was all like contract stars that she was forming this company. um, And she was like, Hey, I'd love to contract you. And I said, well, you know, I've, I've got standards and morals. Like I'm not going to do like what you typically would do as a contract star. I'm not going to do like boy, girl stuff. And, You know, I want to keep it like, you know, (laughs) somewhat respectable. And so, well, I got contracted as a girl-girl contract star. So, you know, at the time I was like the top girl-girl contract star in the industry. I went by an AKA. So that went on. So for 10 years, I was known as an AKA. um, And no one knew me. I was this other person. So here, you know, you start with like my childhood, no real sense of who I am, Mm -hmm. you know, living this like secret, isolated and not understanding what's going on, being over sexualized. Then into this, here I am again in this lifestyle Mm -hmm. where nobody knows me. And here I am being over-sexualized. Like they say like 90%, which is probably even higher. The research shows like 90% of anybody that gets involved in anything adult has been molested. Mm. Because why would you do it? You know, and then back then I was like, this is fucking awesome. Like I have no problem taking off my clothes. And like I make so much money. Mm. Like this is great. Like it's so easy for me. Not realizing that it. That actually showed how, like, sick I was, you know, that it was that comfortable comfortable for me to -hmm. (laughs) to just take off my clothes, you know. It was because I just had a lot of, like, unhealed trauma. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's the lifestyle I lived. And nobody knew that I had an addiction problem. Like, you can see in some of my pictures and some of my videos, like, my eyes. You can tell. Like I'm barred out. I'm Mm. dead inside. I have no pupils. No pupils, (laughs) right? But like no one really knew. And if they did, they didn't give a fuck. No
0: way. You're the fucking working girl. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Got to be on on set on time. Just here you go. Here's more they probably give you pills.
2: They well, (laughs) they never gave me pills, but you know, they supported a lifestyle. Yeah. You know, and and so I had nice things. Like I bought a house in Vancouver, had a house here, had a brand-new BMW, and, like, here I am in my yeah. early 20s. Like, anything I could possibly want, I had. And uh, and I'm just running for around. real?
4: Off of porn?
0: It's not porn. Was he at the magazines? Well,
2: magazines I mean, it's, too, call it adult in entertainment, yeah. right? Like, yeah. whatever. It is what it is. Um, and it's funny, because for a long time, I wouldn't talk about it, and then I got yeah. to the point where I'm like, fuck it. Like, this is yeah. part of my story, and yeah. it's going to help other people, which I've had people reach out, because getting out of that industry is really hard, too
4: absolutely yeah, like the money dude like yeah it's cool almost like win,
2: right? yeah like we talk about this sex trafficking like it's e- essentially that glamorized well, you know in a lot of ways and is. people would argue that with me but whatever i lived it yeah. you know and i saw the people come in and out of that industry and yeah. so i know what it's all about and so like here i am you know up in la traveling the country with jenna with this squad of people you know and like just getting set up with you know endless celebrities rock stars like that was my life you know and right, like right. going out and doing signings and not getting out of bed unless I was you know making this amount of money for the day and it was crazy
1: was it still the party mm. at this point it hadn't become not the party
2: it was still the party yeah so it's, yeah. it wasn't
1: so bad at this point it, I
2: mean yeah. it, it was bad it started to get bad but again nobody knew right but it, but it got bad for me personally yeah Mm. Where it came to a point where one day I remember, and I'll never forget, I just thought, I'm going to stop taking these pills. Like, I'm taking way too many. Because at this point, which is just crazy to say this, the amount I was taking, I had my doctor that I would see, and then I had one outside person that I would pick up from once a week. And I was taking 40 Norcos, Norco 10s a day. I was taking 17 milligrams of Xanax a day. God damn. That's how much my tall and like functioning. Yeah. And like a massive amount of Adderall. <clears throat> and so one day I was like, I just need to stop taking all this shit. It's like <coughs> yeah. costing me so much money. Right. And like I'm spending thousands a month on this person getting this stuff. And I mean, I just need to stop. And I tried to stop and almost fucking died. For yeah sure. like literally within like four hours almost died yeah for sure did you go like to the hospital in the hospital yeah. like yeah. seizure like I was like almost dead, you know, the xanax. and I was yeah the yeah. xanax yeah.
1: for reference, xanax bars are two milligrams, yeah, so seventeen is nine, yeah, you were taking nine Xanny bars a day yeah. that's mm-hmm. fucking insane, yeah, and yeah. functioning and doing stuff yeah and, and like not being like working drooling and, on the and couch. driving and
2: yeah. but it i it started at like point five right. You know, it
0: always does. It always does. Mm
2: -hmm. And so then I realized and So, of course, my my addict mind, I was like, oh, well, fuck, I guess I just have to keep taking this stuff. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like
0: this is life. I don't want to feel like this again. (laughs) No, I don't. Exactly. And
2: and so I literally like had this conversation with myself. I was living in Redondo. I was sitting in my house and I was like, okay, I'm just going to take this stuff, I guess, for the rest of my life. Like, that's just what it's going to be. I can never feel like that again, and so I just continued. I just continued and um, continued in that industry for several years, and um, put myself. You know, now I look at it like before. I used to think like God, I have the worst luck. Like I keep getting put in these like horrible situations, and these horrible things keep happening to me in this industry. Like what the fuck? I have the worst. What's going on, God? Like mm-hmm. what the hell? now I can see like my part in it. Right. And like that I would, not that I deserved any of it that happened. Don't get me wrong, but I put myself in really bad situations. And so, um, the final one for me was, um, AVN, it's an adult, you know, it's the award show they do in Vegas every year. And I had gone out to that and I was up for an award and, I was partying, and I was with, with one of the executives for Playboy, and I always, we always each had a bodyguard assigned to us. And so I had a bodyguard that was with me everywhere I went, no matter what, a driver, everything. And so <clears throat> this guy was like, well, let's just go up to my suite, and uh, we'll call you your car. And so I w- didn't even think twice about it. So I went up there with my bodyguard, and... Um, And was like, okay, cool. I'm going to use the bathroom. They're like, okay, we'll call you your car. I get out of the bathroom. My bodyguard's gone. And it's just the executive. And he raped me and like held me hostage there for hours. It was way more than a typical rape, which sounds horrible enough as it is. But he like tortured me. Like this guy is completely evil. Um, I had a lot of different injuries. And I honestly thought I was going to die. Like. This guy, like, tied me up, had a knife, told me he was going to cut me from the inside out. Jesus, fuck. While raping me. Like, it was, like, so sinister. And the craziest thing is he had done this, come to find out, to several girls. And because these girls were in the adult industry and because they, too, had been on drugs and stuff, it, they were just ignored, ignored and shooed away. Yeah. Um, so I finally got out of there And went back to where I was staying at my hotel. Um, I couldn't talk because he had shoved my high heel so far down into my, like down my, in my, it was all scratched. So I had no voice for like several days, went to the ER, did a rape kit, did all of that. Um, He never got arrested. Of course it came back on the talks that I had a bunch of drugs in my system and here I am in this industry and uh, he never got arrested. He just said that I liked rough sex and that it was mutual. Um, to where then I was like, fuck this. So I quit um, the industry at that point. And um, they still fulfilled my contract. How nice of them, mm-hmm. right? Uh, to keep paying me for several years. Um, but That's that hush money. That's a hush money. But I was like, fuck this. So I went and... Um, Guys, know who Gloria Allred is, very famous attorney. I went down to her yes. office and I was like, I want to sue Playboy. Mm. I'm suing Playboy. And so we sued Playboy. And um, it went on, it got drawn on for like two years. And as you can imagine, they just dug up anything they could on me stuff from my past, stuff from my marriage to, you know, the first one for the green card. Like, They dug up everything they could possibly dig up. And I'm not sober, right? And so it finally got to the point where I was like, I'm going to fucking lose my mind if I keep doing this. Like, this is going to kill me. I'm going to end up killing myself or something over this. So I walked away from the lawsuit. Walked away. Ended up walking away, like, after two years because I just couldn't deal.
1: Well, oh, were literally. you just going to court, and they're just airing out all your dirty laundry? Oh yeah. Okay. Mm. It was. Or was no- it like on a public level? I mean, both.
0: Oh
2: fuck. It was I'm surprised,
0: Because is fucking ruthless.
2: Well, she was mine, and then she passed it. So that this is where it gets even crazier. So she was mine um, initially, and then she passed me off to one of her associates because I didn't evoke enough emotion. So still to this day, I have a very hard time showing raw emotions. I don't cry. Like it's still something I'm working on and I'm seven years sober. Um, just because of my life and my childhood and everything, like it is like yeah. extremely hard for me to cry. Um, and so because I couldn't evoke that emotion, she was like, you're not believable. Like I believe you, but to the public, like you're not believable. You need to like cry and evoke this. And I'm like, fuck, you know, like I am who I am like I I don't know what to say so she ended up passing me on to one of her associates um but in any case I walked away from that and uh and was so angry you know so here I am got out of that industry um ended up getting pregnant with um the, the boyfriend right that was from the show. We got married.
4: Oh, wow. You guys were, you guys were for from anything.
2: Got married. I was married to him for 13 years. I've known him for over 20. So, yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. Um, we're divorced now. But we had a son together. And after I had my son, I was like, this is it. Like, I'm not going to do any more modeling, acting. You know, I'm, I'm good. And it's funny, funny, not funny. You know, we think that our children will keep us sober. They don't. Um, we think that they'll keep us out of certain situations. They don't, you know, we have to want to do it for ourselves. And so I, I dabbled a little bit after he was born just in some photo shoots. Um, and that's when I started getting heavily tattooed because all the time when I was under contract, it was like no tattoos, this, that, the other thing. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to get blasted and that will keep me away mm. Mm, From from working right,
1: and then the industry shifted. Yeah, yeah, I was
0: about
2: to say it did shift, right? Shift like a motherfucker. It did, right? But I didn't go back into adults. I did like some layouts, um, and that that was about it. And so um, I did end up stopping. But it wasn't until like I got sober. Truly sober. I tried to get sober once when my son was eight months old. I went up to Cliffside, Malibu.
0: Beautiful place.
2: Cash pay, (laughs) bougie, bougie, (laughs) and left on my 28th day with a prescription for Adderall. Oh, beautiful. And right back off. Yeah. Running and gutting. Um, So I was taking Adderall, um, Xanax, and then I had found an outside doctor to get on Suboxone. So that's what I started taking. So, and that doctor, that was this is just so crazy. These doctors, yes, there's good doctors out there, but these ones, mm-hmm. the ones that I would find. Yeah. So, and I was all cash pay, right? Like, yeah. and this was in Newport Beach, like yeah, not the yeah. ones that, with a Bentley payment. Yeah, right. Like <laughs> not them guys, yeah. not them guys. Yeah,
4: really. Oh, you got a sprained ankle? Here's
1: moxie. Yeah. I'm sorry, hold on, real quick. I've yeah. noticed you have anarchy symbol and then you have a Buddhism symbol. Does it also say eight ball? No. No. Oh, okay.
2: No. 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 Yeah. This oh, it's a
1: date. It's your day. Okay.
2: No, this is my son's birthday. Got it. Uh, this was when I first tried to get sober. I'll never tattoo a sobriety date on me again. But Smart. Uh, yeah. But no, this was like a typical day for me. I was in a blackout. And I guess from what I was told, I wanted to have good and bad because that was me. Anarchy, peace, anarchy, peace. Yeah. And so I woke up the next morning and literally thought like someone had drawn on my hands because when it was fresh because these are old, it looked like like a permanent marker. I was yep. like, "Holy fuck! Someone drew on me!" <laughs> and then I realized they were like actual no, tattoos.
1: This isn't going anywhere. Yeah,
2: crazy. Um, but yeah, so I started seeing this doctor and they were giving me subs twenty four milligrams a day mm. of Suboxin. Oh, yeah. mm. looking nuts. Yeah, staying ready. <laughs> Holy shit! That's and then uh, and prescribing me Adderall.
0: So you're getting both speedballs, yeah. Let's fucking go.
2: So yeah, <laughs> go. I was stoked on that, and then that doctor also never told me that if I try to stop taking those, you'll get sick. I'll get sick, sicker, sicker. Fuck exactly. Suboxone.
0: <laughs> fuck Suboxone. Fuck Suboxone. The devil.
2: It yeah, and people don't know like Ugh. it's horrible. So I was on that for a year, and right. then I stopped, and sure enough, I was right back on the opiates after that, cause I was like, fuck this. <laughs> Oh, so I got back on the opiates. Yeah,
1: you were the only other person. <clears throat> we had uh, another guest, one of our very close friends, Tiffany, and her and her mom. They're also from LA, from mm-hmm. that area. All they did was bupinephrine. Oh. like, and they would go to Mexico and they would get in piles and just muscle it.
2: Holy shit!
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. savage. Yeah, she's a warrior for sure.
2: Yeah, shit's crazy, and so um, yeah, and it wasn't until I finally decided to get sober that you know. I changed my life. But what led up to that is um, the last, like, three years of me using, Mm -hmm. I had this great idea, as we always do, that I would just start drinking. Mm -hmm. And if I started drinking, then – because drinking was never my thing. I'm like, I'm just going to start drinking, and I'll be able to get off all the pills, and then I'll just – get off the drinking
1: Mm -hmm. still we can still (laughs) black out it'll be good
2: right and well that's what started to happen so i got really really sloppy so here i am like super sloppy and then the adderall was getting to the point where i was going into like a psychosis because i would take so much and then i would stay up for like a week and so i went on like three or four 51 holds Mm. and gnarly ones like i remember one to just give you an example i'm living in newport beach and my mom's in town. And here I go into a psychosis. At this point, I'm anorexic skinny. I've lost my gallbladder. And, uh, and my mom's in town. She doesn't really understand, like, what's going on with me. And I always had a gun. So here I've got this, you know, 9 millimeter gun. And I start, like, flailing that around that I'm this what's gangbanger. And there's people outside the house. And they're going to come in and get us. And we need to lay on the floor. And I had her laying on the floor for hours. My poor mom didn't know what to do. Telling her, like, I could see it. Like, the little, deet deet deet, like, the little light. the What do you call it? The target? The the beam? The beam. <laughs> and it was, like, tracing our bodies. And it was crazy. And I was, like, trying to jump out the window and do all these things. And so she, it always ended up someone, whoever it was, was, had to call 911. And I'd get, like, strapped down and, Taken on a 5150 hold. Just
1: going nuts. Just going yeah. nuts. Let's talk about Jenny staying
0: strapped up. <laughs> yeah. Jenny from the block over yeah. here. Good God.
2: I always, like, I never, it wasn't until. She's like, I, I still guess.
0: do fucking fuck around. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I legally can't have a gun now, but like, thankfully I stayed out of jail, but I think I'm coming up on it because on the 5150 holds, um, I had one in, not a hold, but they took me to the hospital, I got released. And I'll tell you guys about that in sobriety, but I'm coming up on being able to have a gun again.
1: We have a favorite saying on this show. It's allegedly,
0: you don't have another gun. Yeah.
2: Allegedly. Allegedly. That's right. But I just never felt safe in my life, you yeah. know, for good reasons. Yeah. And so yeah, you've
0: had some trauma. Yeah, <laughs> I would say. And so I like
2: always had a gun. I always like had people around me that I knew could protect me, and and yeah, and so.
1: Smoke it to the filter. Yep, yep, yep. Love it.
2: And so I would, you know, go on these holds, and I was drinking, going in blackouts, and I just got super sloppy. I was telling a couple people the other day about, like, there's things that, situations I put myself in that were horrible, you know, where I'd wake up the next morning not knowing who I was with, things like that. Of course, that's bad. But then there was just, like, embarrassing stuff that was going on. And so here I am, you know, I'm a mom. I'm trying to, like, hold it together with my son. I'm a stay-at-home mom at this point. I'm not working uh wasn't for years and like doing the normal like day-to-day stuff with my son, PTA mom, getting him to school, doing all those things. And then yes. I would like rage at night. And so like one night, for example, um, my friend, she was having, it was her 30th birthday party and she had all her family over like well-to-do people big beautiful house hot tub in the back you know my son's there with her kids everybody and we started drinking and she we were taking tons of Xanax and i went into a blackout and i stripped down naked nice. at her house yes with cuz that was my thing take off my clothes <laughs> <laughs> so that was always my thing like oh get naked <laughs> yeah right and so
1: now's the time now's
2: the time and so here i am like i can only imagine what this looked like at her family with all her family Running around naked. They were like trying to catch me. <laughs> I guess for like a really long time.
0: Oh, so great. And
2: I jumped. It gets even better. I jumped in the hot tub at one point and tried to make out with her mom. Nice.
0: Sounds about right.
2: Horrible. Horrible.
1: Was she cheering you on at least? Like, no. It's my 30th birthday. <laughs> no,
2: she was like mortified. mortified.
0: He was yeah. like, what the
1: What f- a bummer.
2: Mortified. And that that day I almost I have this gnarly scar, almost cut my finger completely off. <sighs> like just, just crazy, right? And so it was just bad. So I started just getting super sloppy. Uh, me and my husband at the time, like we were off and on, you know, things weren't good. Like. Our relationship was one of those where we would party together and then he would stop after the weekend and I wouldn't. And then it would be this whole thing of like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Just stop. Like, what's your problem? Mm-hmm. Like, why? what are you doing? Like, not understanding addiction at all. He never tried to help me get into treatment or like, hey, there's a problem here. It was always just, what the fuck is wrong with you? Just stop. <clears throat> and it was like super toxic, abusive, you know, it was not a healthy relationship in any way, shape or form. And I didn't really see that until I got sober, like really sober, like, Holy shit. That was a really bad relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had moved to San Marcos. This is where it ends. This is where it ends up. Beautiful. So I'm down, down in San Marcos, uh, moved out there with my son, living with this guy. My son now is like seven or eight. And, um, and, the drinking was just like so out of control, and I'll never forget it. It was I was sitting in the bedroom, and here we go back to the gun thing. I had a gun in one hand, and it was like this spiritual moment where I fe- felt like, okay, this is my the gun in this hand, and this is my life in the other hand, mm-hmm. and I need to choose right now. And if I don't choose life, I'm gonna fucking die, like right now. Peace and evil. That's it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's what I did. And so I told, you know, the person I was with at the time, bless his heart, angel. um, I said, hey, I need to get help. And for so long, and that's, this is a big part of like what I preach to people is that I looked at asking for help as a weakness. You know, you should be strong. What's wrong with you? You can do this. It's so fucking weak. You have to ask for help. Oh my God, you're going to have to talk to somebody about this. And what I didn't realize that it was like the strongest thing that I could do. You know, it was the bravest, most courageous thing that that I could do and anyone can do is to ask for help. Mm. And so once I asked for help, it was like a thousand pounds was just released off of me. Mm. And um, he got me into treatment, helped me get into treatment. And the next day I was going to treatment for real this time in Orange County. And so... Um, I went through detox, gnarly, horrible, but just what I needed. And once I got into residential, like I knew in that moment without a shadow of a doubt that I needed to walk away from my past life as I knew it, everybody in that life, and completely be reborn into somebody else. And what I needed to be reborn into was somebody that could take All the horrible things, all the trauma, all the negativity, everything that had happened and turn it into something positive and help others. I just knew like God put it on my heart that I needed to help other people. Mm. And so um, that's what I did. So I went back to school, um, got my KDAC, which is like the the degree you get to work in drug and alcohol Mm. um, and became a case manager right out the gate, which I don't suggest anyone doing. I was like six months sober. I started working as a case manager. I was an intern and they hired me right on as a case manager. And so here I am a sick person helping sick people. Not not the best situation. But I was
1: a BHT at ninety days. Okay, so you understand. Oh my God. It's I got fired.
2: Yeah. Almost rolled a van and then most people do
1: that, right? They
2: do. And it's like for me I worked an AA program uh, solid for like the first year or two. I'm not a big AA person at this point in my life. Nothing against it. I think it's great. I think everybody could benefit from doing the steps. Um, but it's just not what I do anymore. But, uh, yeah. So, I, you know, I tried to work in AA program. I did a little bit of therapy. You know, stuff like that. But I didn't dig deep at all. And I was still in that victim state of mind. And I was still in, like, all the behaviors. And... I emotionally relapsed like several times within the first like mm-hmm. two three years of my recovery because I hadn't done the work and so in 2019 I, uh, I gnarly emotionally relapsed I g- got a gun here we go back to the gun thing my get down went on a high-speed chase and I didn't do this like ever in my addiction and I did this in recovery because I was just so fucked off like because I hadn't done the work
0: our addiction gets progressively worse it does like that, that's, you never done, oh, we well never do the things that we did in the past, but it just keeps getting worse. Yeah. Worse. We dig, we dig, mm-hmm. we dig, we find new, a uh, new dig. solution. yeah. Or shit. Yeah, we do. Yeah.
2: So here I am on this high speed chase through Orange County and uh, end up. Clean and sober. Clean and sober. Yep. And end up getting stopped. Well, I end up finally pulling over. Finally, it went on for like 45 minutes. At first, there was like a ton of cops following me, helicopter, all that. And then my ex-husband got on the phone with like the whoever it was that was, I don't know. He got on the phone with somebody and he was saying like, hey, she's not a bad person. She's not dangerous. She's having like a mental breakdown. Don't don't shoot her. Don't shoot my wife. Don't fucking shoot her, (laughs) you know. She may have a gun. (laughs) (laughs) She <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> allegedly
2: <laughs> allegedly <laughs> allegedly yeah and so it was crazy I finally pulled over at this point it's unmarked cars following behind me going through red light like it's just all of it mm-hmm. and I'm stopped and I'm holding the gun and they're surrounding me at this point and I'm like okay what do you want to do you want to get out and go out in a blaze of glory like what do you want to do and they're like roll down the window, drop the gun outside the car, roll down the window, drop the gun outside the car, and finally that's what I did. And and they were super cool, you know, thank God. Like, I should have been taken straight to jail. First of all, the gun wasn't mine. It was my ex, well, soon-to-be ex-husband's gun, um, and they took me to the hospital for an evaluation, and I stayed one night, and then they let me go, and that was it. Like, no charges were brought on to me. And I was like, wow, I got
4: Motherfuck- it. I would have still been in there <laughs> off that motherfucking case. That was she when? Was in crazy. 2017?
2: 2019.
4: Yeah, I would have still been in there. I would still been <laughs> fighting hey, my case.
0: 2019, cables. you already got hemmed
4: up by one All <laughs> <laughs> day. All day. <laughs> <trip>. Allegedly.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: it was yeah. crazy. Yeah, I have yeah. done.
2: It was crazy. And so after that, I'm like, you know what? I really need to, like, start doing the work. And so... I did Um, and I I like to say it was like Mm. after five years then I really started to understand who I was and turning the victim into a survivor like that was a game changer because so many people get stuck in that victim state of mind it's comfortable there you don't have to forgive you don't have to look at your own shit you don't you just I'm a fucking victim you know these horrible things happen to me. And, um, and that was a game changer. So I was able to, you know, find forgiveness and realize like what that really looked like. Cause for so long I was like, I'm not forgiving these people for what they did to me. Like, why would I do that? You know, I didn't ask for any of that, but I was able to turn it over to my higher power as I see it. Right. And I was able to like release that and be like, you know what? I'm not going to let them have this control over me because I didn't realize how much control they still had over me holding on to all that shit. And so I let it go. You know, I let it go and I forgave. And I forgave myself, which is so hard to do. You know, we are, it's easier, well, at least for me, I'll speak for myself, to forgive others than it is to, was for me to forgive myself. You Mm. know, the guilt and shame and, Being a mom and the things that I had, you know, exposed my son to and just the life that I had been leading and just my past, you know, I hadn't made peace with that and everything I had done and super, super shameful, you know, and um, being able to do the work and find forgiveness for myself to be gentle on myself, you know, and to be able to look at all of this as my journey, you know, and that all of it needed to happen good, bad and different for me to get to where I needed to be, you know, because without it, I wouldn't be sitting here today, you know. So I try to always look at that, like no matter what's going on in my life, you know, something tragic happens, if I'm going through something in a relationship, I'm like, okay, what's the lesson? You know, how can I grow through this? And this needs to happen because it's going to take me to the next point in my life. So really doing that work um, and then, you know, truly stepping into purpose. You know, I had worked in the clinical space for years, um, case manager, life coach. I had, you know, sober livings did, did that. And then I was working, um, uh, doing business development for a treatment center for several years. Um, and it just, I was like, okay, this is great, but I don't feel like I'm living a truly purposeful life. And I always preach that to to clients and people that are newly sober. I'm like, okay. It's so one thing to get sober. Like, great. That's an accomplishment. But unless you find something that drives you, that you're passionate about, mm-hmm. that's purposeful work, that's giving back, like, you're going to be fucking miserable. And chances are you're going to relapse. Because you can't just go and just keep doing the same shit. Like, you need to find that thing for you. And it could be in anything. It could be in a hobby. It could be, you know, in a sport or something something. Whatever it is. But, like, find that thing. And so for me, truly being my authentic self and recovering out loud and um, being in my truth has been a game changer. Yeah.
1: The business development side of it, especially at that point in time, it was gnarly. Like, I because I got... What we were speaking before, like I got clean in 2016 and I've been in the car business Uh for like nine years, so sales was my game. And I found out what people were doing to get people into treatment. I was like, Oh, yeah, I want in brokers, body brokers, yeah, Mm -hmm. I want in on that. And I like, I had a major moral deficiency. I was like, I don't give a fuck, I'll buy him insurance. I I got, yeah, I got some cash, like, what's up? And everybody that I knew that was doing was like. You don't want in on this. It is not going to end well. Yeah. None of them would give me a job.
2: Uh, And it's still going down. Yeah.
1: It's still going down. All the people that I knew that are doing it are involved in cases.
2: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It's gnarly for sure.
1: Thank you for sparing me.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, I'd never worked in sales before. And on one hand, it's like, okay, I'm helping people get into treatment. I'm meeting with treatment centers and things like that. But it wasn't really what I wanted to do. You know, I started going online on Facebook, like, three, four years ago um, with a recovery page, and I kind of caught fire with that. And I'm like, I love this, you know, because I had done all this stuff like acting-wise, modeling in my past, and and it, it never became what I wanted it to be because I went down the adult path, right? And I'm like, okay, well, now I'm going to do it in recovery, and I'm going to do it for the right reasons. And so now it's actually going to fucking work, mm. you know, because it's, it's doing it for the right reasons, yeah, you right. know? So that's what I've, that's what I've done. And so I've got, you know, my recover out loud movement and then, uh, the Jenny sober lifestyle, um, where, you know, I bring people on and do podcasts and I do recover out loud meetups and I do charity events and all that fun stuff to show people like, Hey, there's a community out here. We need to stay connected. You can have fun like that. When I got sober, I was like, I'm never going to have fun again. You know, yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do. How am I going to meet people? And so I like to try to create a space where people feel comfortable, you know, and that, okay, if she can do it, I can do it. Because I, I started just taking that mentality, like the why not me mentality. Like for so long, I had the mentality of, oh, well that's cool for them. Mm-hmm. You know, awesome. Like, but I'm not them. And, you know, I'm I'm not going to have those things. I'm not going to be able to do that. And when I had that mind shift of, well, why not me? You know, like the yeah. only thing that's between me and what i want to do is fear and if i can like step through that fear i can do anything it's sobriety is a superpower and we're given this sep- second opportunity at life like we should all be dead right now let's be real i've overdosed several times like we should not be here so we're here for a reason and so i always try to like stay motivated in that space and do as much as i can to live in that space help others be consistent you know, get up, suit up, show up every day. Yeah. You know, go to bed and put my head down on the pillow and know that I did my best. Like it's such a good feeling.
1: How long have you been doing the podcast?
2: I had a podcast before, but it wasn't mine for three and a half years. And now I just ventured off. That was the big leap of faith I took. Um, so I've only been doing my own podcast for just over a month.
1: Really? Uh-huh. Are you serious? Yeah. You found her a month ago? Yeah. Uh-huh. Crazy. Yep. <laughs> Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Fucking bring that in. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking killing it.
2: Yeah. yeah. It
1: looks really good. We Thanks. talked about this before, but like, yeah. wow, I
0: thought you'd been doing it for at least yeah, a year. It, I mean, it looked like it was a long, long process. Yeah. So when you said that before the show, I said, what?
2: Yeah. I go all in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, I go all Literally. in. I
2: will not fail. I want to make a really good impression. You know what I mean? And, like, first impressions are, like, so important to me. And so I'm like, this is going to I'm go big or go home. What was your
1: first impression of us?
2: You guys are amazing. Yeah. Appreciate Thank you. Me. I needed Thanks. that today. Yeah. No, for sure. You are yeah. just doing what you're doing. I mean, this is not easy. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people want to try like podcasting. Like, oh, I'm going to do that. It's not easy. It's mm-hmm. mentally exhausting. It is. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it truly is. It takes a lot out of us and it's hard. You have to be vulnerable. Being well, having vulnerable. guests like
0: you, it makes our job a lot easier, too, trust and believe that. So you're so
2: not, like, having to ask questions yeah, and pull it out of people yeah, the whole time? Yeah, just,
0: time? like, getting, extracting blood yeah, from yeah, a rock. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, No, I know yeah. how that goes. Just sit there and, like, okay, well, I
2: guess this is where we're <laughs> going to wrap this up now. Yeah.
0: So I appreciate you coming on. Yeah,
2: yeah. of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: So now your son is in his teenage years? He's
2: 15. How's that going? Oh, amazing. And and it wasn't always amazing. So, and this is what I love to tell, you know, moms and dads out there that are struggling, you know, to get their children back, it can happen. And so for me, like me and him, even though it was, you know, unhealthy at times we're together every day for the first like eight years of his life. And when I went to treatment and then I did a year of therapy with my ex husband, after I got out of treatment, I was like, all right, I'm going to give this Mm -hmm. a fair chance. I'm going to do like a solid year And see if we can work this out. Like at this point, I've known him for like 17 years. I'm Mm -hmm. like, let's try to make this work. And by the end of the year, it was like, run. Yeah, for real. You know, this is not ever going to work. You're going to end up relapsing. This is super unhealthy. And so I left. And I left thinking that I was doing the selfless thing by letting my son stay at the family home, stay in the same school, and that. He could stay with me, you know, and we would just work this out together as a family. Sure. Did not go down that way. And um, I started from scratch. And so another thing that I like to talk about is like humbling yourself, which for me, like coming from where I came from, making what I made, living how I lived to then humbling myself to renting a room in someone's house, giving away of my belongings because I had nowhere to put them. Um, Starting over making $16 an hour when I first started working in treatment. Like it was such a humbling experience. It was excruciating. and um, But everything I needed because it taught me what's important and what's not. And filling that void doesn't work. Well, you're with finally uh, with able all to, that stuff. You're
0: finally able to appreciate things, too. Probably. Yeah, appreciate <laughs> I mean, things, that, for that's sure. That's my story.
2: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and being able to leave a long-term relationship like that, too. That was almost, if not harder, leaving that than stopping drugs. You know, people that are in these situations, they stay because of the kids. They stay because they're just used to it. It's comfortable. A lot of people stay because of financial reasons. security, And you get stuck. And you're miserable, and and you can do it. You just have to be willing to do whatever it takes. Have the willingness, surrender. Just like getting off the drugs and alcohol, leaving situations, starting off new. You know that's what I did. Um, but you know, in doing that, my ex um, used that to keep my son from me, and then um, I had to go through a very lengthy court process of two and a half years. The family law court system needs to change. I want to actually start advocating on this one way or another because it is fucked. Like, you're guilty until proven innocent. And because he was with his dad when all of this started, whoever the child is with when all this starts, when you don't have a custody agreement or anything, it starts with that parent just having the child until you can prove okay, I I can have my child, which is just crazy to think that that's how it is. But in any case, that's how it is. So, you know, he said, oh, she's still on drugs. You know, she's a hooker. She's this. She hangs out with gangbangers. All this stuff. None of it's true, you know. But I had to prove myself. And it takes so long and it's so expensive. And... <clears throat> That's the other thing. Like, if you don't have the financial means. Thankfully, I had somebody in my life at that time that funded it. But at the end, it was over $75,000. <sighs> and so what do people do? What do moms and dads do that are fighting for their children that don't have the money? They lose their fucking kids. Yeah, they,
0: they give up. They give up. They, they ha- I mean, they, they have to.
2: Yeah. And <laughs> so it came to a point I had, uh, like, one of the top... Family attorneys, that was $450 an hour. Oh, God, what an industry. My son, exactly, my son had a court-appointed attorney that I had to pay for. I had a reunification therapist, a personal therapist that was the top in the courts. And, of course, none of these take insurance, so they're all cash pay, of course. (laughs) Of course, I was
0: about to say, of course. Of course, all all these
2: evaluations, all these things that needed to happen, um, and I had to fight like hell. And, you know, it was dark at times, very, very dark. And I thought I'm never going to get my son back or I'm just going to have to give up and have him find me when he gets older. And I said, no, I'm not. I can't give up. This is my son. You know, I'm going to stay consistent. And I just stayed consistent. And my actions like love is an action. And I showed every single day, even though it was extreme parental alienation, which means he was brainwashing my son To believe I'm this horrible person. Brainwashed him essentially even with memories, you know, of the way life was and wasn't. Um, And it took a very long time. But here we are. My son is 15. He lives with me full time. Nice. That's right. He sees his dad on occasion and love wins because I showed over consistency and through my actions who I am and what I can do and what I can provide for him and time and patience you know it it really makes all the difference and now he's at an age where he's seeing things starting to see things for what they are and as he gets older he will more and more and i will never be that parent and i just encourage parents not to do this don't bash the other parent yeah like even though i've been bashed beyond recognition right i will always remain to him that his dad is his superhero Right. Let him think that. Yeah. And as he gets older, he'll see the truth, but it's not going to come from me. You know I can tell I mean? you from
1: firsthand experience, that is exactly what happens. I come from a broken home and my mom never bashed my dad and he was a fucking piece. Yeah. And every time I would go see him, all he ever had to say was, your mom's putting me in jail for child support and your mom's yeah. a bitch, your mom's this, your mom's that. And I treated my mom very fucking poorly through my teenage years. Yeah. And then when I became an adult, mm-hmm. I was able to look back and realize what a fucking dickhead he was yeah. and how amazing my mom was. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, thank you for that because yeah. that's I, I have faith that that's exactly what will happen. And our relationship has gotten so much better even just over the last couple of years. And now, yeah, he's with me, and I'm pretty much a single mom. I take care of him 100% financially. I don't even ask him for anything. I'm like, it's it's cool. Yeah. I got it. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm yeah. at a position in my life where – I can just take care of him all on my own and it's all good Mm -hmm. so yeah it is it is possible
1: have you had any 15 is a little early well not necessarily but have you had any like as an addict or being in recovery having to deal with him facing soon-to-be grown man shit
2: oh yeah I mean he's already been experimenting Um, he you know it's it's so scary because of with fentanyl now like fentanyl is literally in everything and so you know he's, he's smoked like weed pens and things like that. And his name's Ryder and he doesn't mind that I disclose this stuff. And I'm like, Ryder, like it's in everything. Like there is no using drugs recreationally anymore. Like those days have come and gone and they are far fucking behind us. So it's like you go out and use something recreationally one time you're, you can be dead. And so, you know, I'm very open and honest about my life. He knows everything. And so He's dabbled a little bit here and there, but, um, he doesn't really get involved in all that stuff.
1: I'm about to be, um, I have two 12 year olds. So okay. my, my lady <laughs> has a 12 year old and then I have a 12 year old oh, wow. daughter. Yeah. So we have one, a 12 year old boy and a 12 year old daughter and they're literally two weeks apart in October. And Holy it's like, smokes. <sighs> and yeah. I, I can just tell the route he's going down that I'm going to have to start crossing that bridge and like I vape and I always have to like reinforce this. Like, dude, I smoked cigarettes from 13 until I was, I picked this up and it is a death sentence. Yeah. You need to stay away from these. They're fucking horrible. I and know. You should them. just
0: stop then too. Yeah, you <sighs> should. I'm a work in progress. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's, I'm a work that's in lead
2: by example. Yeah. Damn <laughs> y'all. Yeah,
1: it's simple. I'm trying to drive a point home. Yeah, no, I got all right, it. We, that, we, 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 no, what we better way it. to but drive that, the point home is than is not quitting. really. Yeah, the part that yeah. point is not really but I'm getting ready to have to cross those bridges. Yeah, and I'm fucking. That's that's why I wanted to bring that up. And uh, more importantly, if you send those weed pens, the weed they have today is not the weed that we had. Oh in my our god, day. no! No. It's no,
2: totally different.
1: Some
0: and it fucking fucked up. Shit. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's I've
1: done a lot of shit. drugs,
0: but that weed fucked me fucked
1: up.
2: I cannot stand uh, weed. I'm not. It's horrible. Never. I've never. I was never <laughs> really into it. Maybe I would when just I was do it. Like really young. Yeah.
1: I would just do it, and, and it would cause me. Righteous anxiety, oh, yeah. and I'd be stuck, yeah. and I'm like, Why do I do this? And I'm then anxious right now, thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, I know, yeah. right? You, you sober <laughs> up, and you're like, All right, let's smoke another blunt. Like, Why? Yeah, I'd be in the closet
2: wow. with a box of cereal for like four hours. Oh. That would be it. <laughs> do you, say, do you, guys, yeah. you guys hear that? Yeah, that's, <laughs> my, that's my heart. You guys yeah. hear <laughs> my heart? Yeah. I, I, I could feel, feel me, touch me. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, wild.
1: That's crazy. We're all parents here at this table. Amazing. Rafa yeah, has two girls. Nice. Dustin has two kids. Yeah. I have a, f- a fucking gaggle. <laughs> and
2: are you in recovery too? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Oh, all of us. That's okay. how this all started.
1: So cool. I, I relapsed and I came back in mm-hmm. January and we started a clothing brand. Very in March. cool. Yeah. I will re- let me tell the whole story. Yeah. I worked here okay. at this dealership and I got fired two weeks before COVID and they didn't want to see me fucking relapse. And yeah. We were spitballing was a, the idea real green newcomer yeah like, got it got it yeah and then <laughs> w- i think we started the clothing brand and then
4: everything went to lockdown mm. and it was like oh shit yeah and then uh i well, well it was fun like writing yeah. you know like just writing in general was just fun and like having a clothing brand that like, you know all the homies are wearing and stuff like that when you hit the road yeah and stuff like i just thought that was dope you know yeah Plus, super like cool. Cause like you don't really see anybody in recovery when when the whole COVID thing was happening. Mm-hmm. So like, being able to jump on a motorcycle and see some of your homies and stuff like that, like that was dope for sure. You know, so I like, love that. I don't know. It was just it was uh, um, just something I just kept like I was sitting down and I was just like, damn, it would be dope to do something. And then I fucking bounced it off a of graph, and then Dustin was like. Fuck this shit. We're doing this shit right fucking now yeah, cuz these guys <laughs> were talking about it for too long. I'm like, yeah. let's just fucking do it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. that's yeah. how I am. I'm like, let's just do it. Stop like, talking right.
0: about it. It was a yeah, yeah. it was a lot of great talk. Yeah. I mean, seriously, because I mean, I heard I heard I saw the vision and all that. And I'm like, you know what? We we know a few pe- I know a few people that own clothing brands that are really successful and mm-hmm. I'm like, we can fucking do this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So it comes down to not wanting to wear other people's stuff, too. Mm-hmm. You want to wear your own things. For sure. Yeah. So. 100%. Yeah.
2: Eventually, yeah. hopefully but I'll have a little something going, too. Just, just do why it. Why not? Yeah. We know just a just screen just printer. Okay. Good to yeah. know. Yeah. We screen print. <laughs> so. The okay. Yeah. The thing about it is, too,
0: it's like, uh, <clears throat> you know, in recovery, you can just, you can literally do whatever you want, because like you were saying earlier, really right. re- you reinvent ourselves. Yep. I know I did. And I still do on a daily basis because I'm changing. Right. Always. If you're not changing, you're just going to stay stagnant and Mm -hmm. eventually you will relapse. too. And I say that to people all the time. Mm -hmm. You have to take a leap of faith and just try something different. Because if, you know, one year Dustin was saying, Hey, you're going to have a podcast. You're going to be on social media and you're going to sell shirts. I would have been like, you're fucking high. Yeah. That's (laughs) not how it's, you know, yeah, I wanted a, a simple life. But then as I'm, changing growing i didn't really want a simple life yeah and i liked being around people like when yeah. i'm by myself that's when my head starts to really
2: start yeah to me too get nuts mm-hmm.
0: so having this i mean the more work that i put on myself and i know these guys can attest to it too the better off we are yeah because we're staying vigilant we're staying working yeah agreed you know so yeah what you're doing right now and you're, yeah you're on you're on yeah you're always on i'm
2: always on this is 24 7 thing yeah. and like I started doing some things where I, like, put out a thing on Instagram about, like, a morning text blast with people, you know? So I do that. Like, I wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm sending out a text message to all these people that want to have, like, a positive start to their day. And just from that, a couple of people have gotten sober, you know? And so, like, I see these things working and, like, doing the different events and just recovering out loud. Like, people just reaching out, like, nonstop. Like, I could pull up my phone right now and there'd be just messages from people like, hey, I'm struggling. Can you you know, what did you what do you or what do you know? And, and that's right. what it's all about. And like that, sure. I tell every person like, thank you for helping me stay sober today because every one of those things helps me stay sober and become the best version of myself. Right. And I just, I, I think it's great, like to each their own for people that just want to do like, you know, the typical nine to five and they're fine and that's just their life. But mm. I refuse to settle, have a regret or say what if for anything in my life. Like I have so much I want to accomplish. Huh. Interesting. Do you say the same stuff? Well, I mean, yeah. We yeah. Made
0: our literally our second T-shirt was basically what you just said.
2: Really? See, yeah. never right. settle, Never quit. Never settle. Never quit. Yeah. All or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's the only way I live my life. Right. It's just I think we're we're born that way. We're born. Some of us are born very different with that mentality, but it just got like repressed with the addiction, and now it's like, no, all right, right, let's fucking go. Right? Hey, <laughs> I like to and say,
0: yeah, no, I like, I like to say we damaged our spirit, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So now it's like we're getting a recovery and our spirit just keeps coming. And That's just right. like you, you know, you started this start for you when you're at three. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that in your process, you've had a lot of immature I'm just I'm, let me speak for myself. Yeah. I know I had a lot of immature things because when I first was damaged, too, it was at a very young age. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know how to be mature or yeah. act right. It took me until like thirty four when I got cleaned. Actually, probably later than that because I know I was a real piece of shit. I'm like, <laughs> One or two years too. So, but you know, it takes some time. Yeah, it does. But let me ask you something. So, what do you say? You're doing the work. What what type of work are you doing?
2: The work on myself. You yeah. mean? So, you still I, do twelve step? I don't. I don't do twelve step. No. Um. You know, I have a spiritual program that works for me. I'll sure. go to meetings like once in a while. Um. If someone like asks me to go. Um. But, you know, I have a routine, and that's what I do. Like, I wake up, um, you know, I do my praying, my spiritual work. Uh, I might do a little reading. Um, I always start m- my morning in my gratitude, so, like, things I'm grateful for, um, affirmations, things like that. I always tell people that are in early recovery or even struggling, and I thought this was, like, so dumb when I first got sober, but it's so valuable, the affirmations. Um I would say the same thing that I was struggling with as an affirmation until it felt comfortable doing it. So let's just say I am worthy, right? Mm-hmm. In the mirror, I am worthy, like really looking at myself, saying that. And we know if we're being like true to ourselves, like if we're feeling like, oh, this is dumb or whatever, or this is uncomfortable, or oh, there's like a hesitation, you know, a reservation, whatever it is. And so sometimes I would, like, say the same affirmation for, like, six months until I got it, until I'm, like, all right, this sticks. Because I think anything like that, like, when you're working on yourself, the consistency of it. Um, and then from there, you know, I get into my day. Um, I'll respond to people, be of service, stuff like that, which so helps me in my life. Um, and then I'm, like, really engaged in, like, things that I like to do that, you know, i um, that just make me feel good. The self care, the balance, like having balance in my life is super important. Taking time for myself, you know, getting down to the beach. I love going to the beach. Um, Just doing creative things, you know, keeping myself aligned with my vision at all times, aligning myself with the right people. Like, don't you guys find that when you're in alignment with your life and your true calling, then the people, people start to come into your life and those promises come true and people start aligning with you. Like I've seen that manifestation is like a huge thing for me. So I do the three, six, nine rule. I don't know if you guys have heard of this. The little, like little jaunt thing. Where you're like manifesting <laughs> something into your life. <laughs> three, no, six, not nine. that. <laughs> but I like would like to hear the three, six, nine rule. It's, it's, it's <laughs> like a journaling exercise where, you know, if there's something that you're trying to manifest into your life You visualize it, and you write it down three times in the morning. You write it down and visualize it six times in the middle of the day, and you do it um, nine times at night. And you do those for, like, 21 days Mm. at a time. And there's, like, you can watch YouTube videos on that. Like, if people, like, swear by this stuff. So I do a lot of stuff like that. Um, Just, you know, truly being, like, my authentic self and being present, it just works wonders for me in my recovery.
1: That's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, everything you're saying, I'm like, yes, yes. more of that. That's <laughs> like honestly how a lot of the, a lot of this has happened for LFG is just we fucking said it out loud, said it out loud, and his wife is really into fucking s- saying shit out loud. Yeah, you
2: have like, to. Yeah, and you have to truly, truly believe in yourself and what you're doing. If you want anyone else to believe it. You have to truly believe it. You cannot be thinking like, fuck, I don't know if this is going to work. Of course, there's like that little bit of healthy fear, but you have to believe it. So I spend a lot of time like believing in myself and my mission.
1: I would say you're absolutely crushing it.
2: And, it, and it's working. Yeah, yeah it's and,
0: definitely
1: working.
2: And it can be for anything in anyone's life. Yeah. You know, like you want to be the best therapist. You want to be the best. Motorcycle, whatever it is, you know, like, it's all possible. All right. And it starts with believing in yourself, being consistent, showing up. They say that, like, 95% of it showing. is show, just fucking just show up. Mm-hmm. All right. Every day, show up for yourself.
0: Yeah. Just like what you did today. Just driving like, from o- OC. Just, just like this. Yeah, come on. I mean, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's funny because... I I had to do that myself. Morning affirmations in the mirror, and half the time I was like, "Fuck you," and walk away. But I kept on doing it. So it's like Sponsee's mind, like, Mm. "Pray? Did you pray today?" No, cool. Get on that. Yeah. Go look at yourself in the mirror for the next ten days and do some morning affirmations Mm -hmm. to yourself till you start believing it. Yeah. Exact same, same, same thing. Yeah. Right. But I mean, you have to believe in what you're saying. You have to. I mean, even if you don't, you eventually you will. You you will.
2: Yeah, you will if you keep doing it. Yeah.
0: But there's a lot of days where it was like looking at that mirror and I'm like, <laughs> fuck you, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I
2: mean, it took me five yeah. years of recovery to really feel like I was getting it. Five years.
1: So That's why they said the head pops.
2: You gotta be patient. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, a journey. This is not like, okay, now I'm sober and now I did a work and I did the twelve steps and uh, now it's I've got a year. Oh, I'm good. Yeah. yeah. Right. No, you're not you're never good.
4: I got I got nine years of still working on shit. I'm yeah, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> just more and more things come up.
1: And it's like a lot of people don't realize that you remove the drugs and alcohol and then you're still left with an addict. Like, yeah. And yeah. I agree with what you said. Like, I had the, the ism long before oh, I ever yeah. touched drugs. For and sure. I just got a fucked up brain and yeah. I gotta work on it all the time.
2: Everywhere yeah. you go, there you are.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm proud to tell. Everybody on the podcast, I dropped my first step. Wow. Woo! Good job. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's been a long okay. thing. I've done the one, two, three shuffle like 10 times.
2: Got it, yeah. Because uh,
1: for whatever reason, there's I guess there's stuff on my four-step that I just don't want to write about.
2: Yeah. Or whatever
1: the it first is. step
0: four-step's so easy, too.
1: Uh, literally everybody's saying that, too. So. Wait, just We're wait till you get steps. to your sixth step, right? I'm, cons- <laughs> I'm in a consistent step study every week. Going to a meeting. Nice. A hey. Good job. <laughs>
0: I know his friend Josh got clean, and so Graf is really stepping it up because old boy over here is smoking him.
1: Yeah. Uh-oh. So his recovery.
2: Healthy he, competition? Yeah. yeah he got
1: clean in January. Okay. And, like, he's got a story of his own.
2: Amazing. Congratulations.
1: Yeah. yeah right he's on. He's fucking crushing it, but he's also, like, on a six-step. Oh. <laughs> and uh, here I am with multiple years, and I'm just fucking around.
2: Well, you know, it's just different for everybody. Tightest grip <laughs> in the game, baby.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it uh, is healthy competitions are great because my, my friends – that I started recovery with, it's the same thing. Push, 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 push. Yeah, you know what I mean, like, even when it comes to like work, you know. Yeah, we just pushed one another to get to where we're at.
2: You have to it's
0: fucking bizarre.
2: Yeah, that's like my son. You know, at his old school, he was like, oh, "I'm the biggest, the strongest, and the smartest." Right? He's 15. He's six four. God damn, he, damn. He looks and sounds like a man. It's crazy. Like Football. he's he, no, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't really want to play sports. He's he's a more like he's. A, Loves his guitar. And oh, okay. we love that too. Yeah. Right. yeah. But um, I'm like, but Ryder, don't you want to be in situations where like people are better than you and they're challenging you? Mm. Like stick with the winners because if you're always thinking you're the best at something, how are you going to grow? Right. Like, you have to be around other people that are better than you in different ways, right? Like Emily over here, she's teaching me so much, you know, about social media and different things. Like I need people around me always that I can like learn from and grab from and you know Mm -hmm. we all should be doing that we never want to be the best there's got to be someone room to grow room to grow
0: well so what's next for you
2: what's next for me is well I mean I've just started down this road so like I've got a lot going on I've got um, my PR firm that's starting to push me out there so hopefully getting out there doing some more stuff um in the media out there in the recovery world um just podcasting a lot, um, doing the Recover Out Loud, and then, uh, well, it's being announced tomorrow, but I guess I can say it on here. This isn't live, right? No. Okay, so um, I'm starting an outpatient treatment center, so it's JSL Recovery. Um, it's it's a done deal. This isn't like some pipe dream, so I'm, I'm just getting ready to do some construction on the building and... Start that. So it's going to be really cool. I've worked in the treatment space for many years, but this place is going to be different. It's going to be like a community center. I'm going to have like a big Recover Out Loud meeting there once a week. I'm going to do support groups there. I'm going to open it up for people to come in, do like Narcan trainings, educational stuff, and then have like a real.
4: That's big. This
2: really cool um, outpatient center that's going to be small, big on community, on culture. Um, Anybody that's been sex trafficked, I'm going to allow them to come there for free. Um, so it's like a whole movement that I'm doing. I'll have my podcast studio there. We're actually taking it and moving the whole thing there. Oh boy. Um, so, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck, Chuck, my podcast guy, I love you. Yeah. Uh, he already knows. So even down to the signatures, cause I have a wall where everyone signs the wall. Mm. When you guys come up, you'll see that. What? Yeah. It's really, you guys should do that here. It's really, it's a really cool thing. I might get him
1: to wrap that white, and then we can write on it. But he's gonna take a
2: picture, and then I guess he can like digitally like put it at the new place, and and
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you have a board, right? A board where people are signing.
2: I mean, it's a wall. Oh, so they're signing the
0: actual wall. They're
2: signing that it's a wrapped wall. Got it. So all walls are wrapped. Nice. He's gonna take a picture of it, and then digitally Uh. put it. On the new wrap. Yep. Got it. Rewrap the wall. Rewrap with it. With the original yeah. signatures. Yeah, it. So, yeah. Got so, it. this outpatient is going to be the first of many, you know, because I refuse to let it be anything but that. Um, and, yeah. So Are that's you doing a grand opening? I'll be doing a grand opening. Probably won't be for a good, if I'm being realistic, like 60 days, 45 to 60 days. But, yeah, you guys will have to come yeah, out and
0: represent. Say, yeah. Let us know. Yeah. yeah. We'll bring We'll bring a squad of people up.
2: That would yep. be amazing. Yep. That would be so rad. Well, it's locked in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, I've been done. doing this for years with working in treatment. And, like, I've worked at places where I've literally walked out and said, fuck you guys and, like, thrown my hands <laughs> up in the air because it's so fucked. Like, yeah. treatment, unfortunately, there's – is fucked in a lot of ways at a lot of different places. It's become just totally business, money-driven. And for me, like, I chase the purpose and the money comes. And so with this, like, I'm chasing the purpose. And I know what I want to do, and I know how I want to help people, and I know how I'm going to make it different. And success will come with that. You know, but that's not what I'm leading with. So, yeah, yeah you got to check it out because it'll be very different than what people are doing.
4: Mm. I think I think some of the stuff you were talking about is pretty dope. Like the Narcan training, I don't think there's that many places out here that is doing that. No. You know, and, like, uh, honestly, it'll be something that, like, uh, that'll help people. One of the things, too, that I was looking into um, was uh, there's a class out here that they actually show you. Like, how you could tell if somebody is, like, ODing off of fentanyl. Yeah.
2: So, i will be doing all yeah. of that. Look, I'm going to be doing the, the signs that you look for. Right, right. And the actual Narcan training. I'm going to do it once a week. I have an endless supply of Narcan from End Overdose. Right, right. I probably have, like, 500 packs of Narcan sitting oh in my shit. storage space right now right. under my stairs. Damn. Um, so, I'll be doing that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We got once the a week. too. Yeah, the fentanyl testing strips. Yeah, yeah. It's so crazy because, you know, for a long time it was looked at, and it still is at a lot of places, which is just fucked, where it's looked at like, oh, but but then it's making it okay if they do drugs. If you're going to give them, like, no, they're going to do them anyways. Like, do we want to save lives right. or, or do we want to live in the 80s? Because, well, like, that's not going to work.
0: I wonder if it's the same people that are saying that, right, that are giving syringes. Giving tie offs,
2: yeah.
1: Harm fucking, reduction is a, such giving a, fucking
0: pipes. No, that's bullshit. I mean, yeah. that's fucking wild. Yeah. That's, and that's what's
1: happening. No, everywhere. it's
2: bullshit. I stop at the Narcan. Like, yeah, I want to save a life, but I'm not going to support the habit. You know, it's it's two different things. So, yeah, I'll be doing that there. I'm also going into schools. I'm starting to supply Narcan there, um, and then one of the other which I'm going to leave it at this because I've got a lot on my plate, but I really, really, really want to start doing um, public speaking to be of service in like middle schools and high schools. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the, because fentanyl and new drugs are not going away. As much as we would like to be like, fuck, we're going to get these off the street. They're not going away. So what do we need to do, right? We need to create change. We need to have the conversation and we need to educate. And the education is now starting with kids as young as 10, 11 years old. I mean, you think about how they're getting educated in school. It's, Mm -mm. it's, first of all, it's by like a guidance count. Somebody, I'm not trying to be mean, but somebody that they don't respect or look up to usually. One ear
0: out the other. Right? Right. Yeah.
2: But if someone like us walks in there and goes, hey, listen, this is how it is. And this is what I experienced. And I was one of these people and actually like talk from a real standpoint like how i do with my son it actually can make a difference so that's something that i'm going to start doing going and speaking at schools locally oh yeah
1: that's, that's awesome, awesome. Yeah. our homegirl clea she owns a clothing brand called Dollface club she's doing a documentary and she just wrapped her interview uh it's called nobody plans on dying
2: nice yeah
1: so once yeah, that comes exactly. out we'll shoot that your way okay yeah she's fucking rad and like she dumped her life savings into this doc. So wow. I'm really stoked on it. She mm-hmm. should come
2: on my podcast.
1: We'll set it up. Yeah, okay, we'll set it be up.
2: Rad. yeah. And anybody that you guys want, like I'm not one of these people. There's a lot of people. There's People are so competitive. Yeah. Right. And I there's just, there's more than enough to go around hmm. for everything that you're doing in life, whether it's a treatment center, whether it's a podcast, whatever it is, like I'm more than welcome to like more than willing to, to share the information, share clients or, you know, people that have coming on the show. So anybody that you see on my show or want, just let me know and I'll give them your number or vice yeah. versa. Mm-hmm. No and if biggie. you're
1: worried about somebody taking out of your piece of the pie, you're not doing it right. Exactly. You need to, you need to zoom out
0: and reevaluate.
2: Yeah.
1: We've, we've helped stupid. other brands
0: out. We'll like, we yeah. tell you what we do. Yeah, exactly. It's not a secret. No. You know? Yeah. But you have to put in the work. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You That's the biggest just, thing. You can't just create an Instagram and be like, well, you know what? Hold on. <laughs> I'm about to get 10,000 followers. Just, yeah. yeah. No, fucking, you got to post and you yeah. got to be doing the most. Yeah. I mean, you have, this shit is work. It is work. Yeah. This is work.
2: And you can tell, like, when people, not to talk shit, but when people, like, buy their oh, of course. followers. I mean, we make fun of them all the time. Yeah, the time. it's I'll, super, I don't super care. obvious. I'll make fun of them on air. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> them. Yeah. Fucking losers. But, but that get doesn't, with you can't take the shortcuts. You have oh to, put in the work and actually do the deal Everybody you know if you want it to be shortcuts. successful yeah
1: absolutely I think this has been an absolutely incredible episode Jenny I really appreciate you making the drive down thanks here. you
2: guys I appreciate it
1: anytime you want to come on anytime you got something going on
0: you just reach out to us we'd love to have you back
1: on
2: right on likewise mm-hmm. and you guys will have to come up yeah, yeah. I'm, re- I'm make ready it happen. to come up and okay. I
0: definitely want to come to your uh, opening event. Okay. So please let us know, and we will bring a mob of bi- fucking recovery bikers up there.
2: That yeah. would be amazing. Mm. We're definitely doing It'll look like a scene out that. of
1: Sunsai Anarchy. Be a <laughs> <show for laughs> do you guys go and, like, world?
2: podcast in different areas? Like, are not you, yet. I'm, no. I'm just starting that. I have something that I'm doing next month. We've right? been asked,
0: but we just have not.
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: We have so a- you'll be our first.
2: We, we should do it sometime. We could yeah. all go out and do something. It'd down be really it. cool.
1: I'm so down.
2: Okay. Oh, yeah. Always open
1: right. to new ideas. Yeah. Where can people find you?
2: Uh, at Jenny's Sober Lifestyle. That that's simple.
1: Boom. 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 Piece Just of cake. Oh like yeah. It's been another episode of the LG 1904 show. Let's fucking go.
2: Thanks, guys. Let's fucking go. Yes. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs>